Blog Talk Radio. If I speak for your followers and I speak for your ex-followers and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in, and you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something, then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mom and dad, don't talk to your mom and dad, that's bad. Yeah, wrong. Absolutely believed his own bullshit. Now, does that mean he believed it from day one? I don't know. Hobart reveals to them that he is the Antichrist. Scientology has not helped you. You have helped yourself. Yeah, I'm absolutely positive that happened because I was physically abused in Scientology. We're crossing the line into torture. Do you think there is a rape culture in Scientology? I think that there is a culture in Scientology that children are not children. So, yeah. All right, welcome to come get some extra Scientology edition with part two of Tara O'Reilly. A little bit early start here today for the live feed. I apologize. I have some errands to run, and I don't have a lot of time, so I won't be talking about a whole lot here. I uh, just want to let you guys know, um, if you heard part one of Tara Riley, if you heard part one of Marian Francis last week, I was trying a different method of recording. Uh, the audio did not come out great. I have improved it greatly. If you want to go back and listen to part one, if you had trouble with it, of Tara Riley, it is very clear now compared to what it was. And, of course, uh, I was able to boost uh, Marian Francis' audio to the point to where you can actually understand what she's saying. So I do apologize for that. So that is improved. You can go back and listen to those uh, today. Um, I didn't want to wait any longer to continue this uh, this conversation with Tara Riley for you guys. Uh, it's part two of three parts. She had a lot of good stuff to say. I'm thinking there might be more in the future. Who knows? Uh, but right now, let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, right where we left off with uh, Tara Riley. That thought process towards women, that the women are inferior? You know, this has come up, and... I've never heard this talked about. Yeah, it has come up because um, the way they deal with rape and... Well, that, yes. ...molestation and the way that women's feelings... I mean, maybe we're just women and we're kind of sensitive, but I don't think so. I I mean, I don't know. They don't... Let's back up. So, I don't know if... Scientology as a whole does look down on women. Like, I, you know, we were pretty equal. We're all adults, you know, even if you're still in diapers and you're all Satan. You got a yeah. pacifier in your mouth, you should be out drinking and having fun because you're really like a billion. That fucked with me, really. I had very little guidance and structure. Like, when I was um, not even 12, my parents would buy me cigarettes. Like, I've been smoking. I was 12, and yes, I know it's been 12, but, but um, something I will eventually maybe give up. <laughs> so, but that's how they would pay me, like my tour money, like not give me money. For, but and I would, I remember sitting there, like on the couch, smoking cigarettes, like thinking to myself, like, tell me to stop, like, what is, like, hey guys, like, what's, I shouldn't be sitting here, why are you smoking? Oh, 
um, we were going with that with the guidance and stuff. Where were we going with? Well, that's like a normal parent. That's a normal child thing where you will, you, if you don't feel like you're getting attention, you'll you'll break the rules to be corrected. Right. And I don't know how he got off of the Jeremy thing. I don't know. Maybe he. Maybe he, like, rewired his brain so much. He just had so much, he just couldn't even do it. He was just like, fuck it. You weren't going to ask Jeremy to babysit, were you? Oh, that's where I was going with that. So, I wasn't, but my boyfriend was like, um, you know, well, Jeremy, and I was like, well, and I didn't actually know about it, because between Jeremy standing in our living room for hours at a time, he was, you know, then kind of protected by his family in the church. So we didn't really see much of Jeremy, but Jesse, he actually, if you really look into the story, um, all of the documents, the court documents, and like what the doctor said, and all his shit from the psych ward is online, and he refers to Jesse, my boyfriend. I don't, I don't remember what he was talking about, but um, they were very, very close. And um, <clears throat> he, Jesse has said, like, well, what about Jeremy? And I was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. What do you think? And he was like, "No, I don't know." So no, Jeremy did not babysit for us. And but it was kind of I remember um, that like weird thing with Jesse. Like Jesse and him grew like they were in diapers together. Like his dad and his mom spent you know they were full blown Scientologists, and then Jeremy's parents full blown Scientologists. Um, and you know Jesse's brothers in the Sea Org and Jeremy's. People are in the Sea Org, so very, whatever. Um, so he's, I don't know, why are we talking about that? Oh, yeah. No, I didn't have him babysit. Jeremy had legit clinical schizophrenia. Like I said, I'm not a doctor, but he really, he did. And they didn't take him to get any kind of psychiatric help. They just upped his vitamins. Um, mm. My uncle will argue, no, Tara, that's a lie. We did take him to doctors. We tried everything we could. I was like, oh, yeah? Did you take him to a shrink? Because, you know, schizophrenia now it can be managed with, like, some good medication and some therapy. I mean, yeah, there's always those ones that are extreme, but from my understanding, it can, you know, I mean, Jeremy was extreme, but they let it get to that fucking point. They literally let him, you know, um, stew in his own psychosis. And, right. And they tried to fix him with vitamins. And then the guy's already thinking that the FBI's talking to him through the fucking toilet, and then he doesn't trust his mom, and Scientology is shady as fuck. He didn't get any of those, you know, so-called case games. Like, that whole thing, I can't even imagine the crazy turmoil and the conversations that were going on in his head, like, for real. Right. It, it must have been insane. Terror. Oh, wait, no, you're Jesus. Terror, correct me if I'm wrong, but this this, this guy doesn't stand a chance, because... What are the choices? The choices are either audit it out of him and hope for the best or kick him out of Scientology. But if you do that, then you're admitting that the tech failed. Is that is that about – am I right on that? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. And then in his case, what they tried to do was basically like – was like leprosy, like 1500s, like hi, Jeremy. Like who, who can take Jeremy this week? It's like Jeremy is almost 30 years old and is having a psychotic fucking breakdown and is probably going to hurt somebody. You, like nobody should be taking Jeremy and I remember being in like the room or like I wasn't involved in the conversation so I would just kind of like roll my eyes and be like are you fucking kidding me like kind of I would just detach myself because I knew like it was just so wrong and then being 
um, you know, just having like a, a psychology background too, I'm going to add because this is going to piss my family off because they always thought that it was really annoying. My aunt, when she was doing her psych major, would use, you know, she would, she was going for a child psychology and now she's actually very successful in um, Buffalo, New York with, um, in, in that, in the school education department as like the head psychologist. And, but she would use my brother and I as, you know, her test subjects in college. And it wasn't anything, like when, when my Scientology family caught wind of that, they wanted to fucking hang her up. Like they thought, I, you know, electrodes up her asses and we were being told all this crazy shit when in actual reality they were just like IQ tests, just like special awareness tests, you know, just figuring out just basic psychology. It wasn't... Mm-hmm you know, there wasn't any, I always just thought that was um, kind of fucked up. So I have that upbringing. So I, I, with Jeremy's case, he absolutely needed to be in the, the hands of psychiatry. And they failed him. And what they did was, I think at one point, they were even trying to administer liquid, um, yeah, they were, my uncle told me that. So he was refusing to take the, the handfuls of vitamins because, you know, like, I refuse to take handfuls of vitamins. Right. You just take a vitamin. Like, fuck your vitamins. I've had enough vitamins for a lifetime. Um, they would pump us full of vitamins. Vitamins and vitamins. And, um, no, like, you know, Tylenol or Trimedic when you were sick. It was like, take some bee pollen and drink some Calmag. Like, just hug me. Yeah. I need a tissue. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so off, we're getting off track again. I can go on like so many different. Yeah. Things, but yeah, Jeremy um, and Ellie—that's a whole nother fucked up thing. So why we got on that was his sister was part of that posse that showed up at my house to try and shut everybody down, and you know. And so what happened with my uncle's death? And oh, okay, so this is good. This is a big one for me because I've literally been sitting on this like uh, inter. So I have, um, I have very uh, good information. I've seen it myself with my own two eyes. There is somebody in my family um, that is they're in good they're in good standing. I mean, the whole Riley family is in good standing. Are you sure you want to say this? Certainly. Um, I do. Okay. Because, <clears throat> well, so with my uncle's so with my uncle's death, I do because um, in that little group of people. There's another person that was like, give him hell, tell him about this. So I'm just going to go ahead and say he's always been one of my favorites, and he knows that, so I'm going to take your advice on this because he knows what's up too, and he's part of this family. So um, after they found out that this money was missing and they started piecing shit together and my uncle's wife told him, like, oh, well, you know, he, he had that meeting with his church and then came home really depressed for the last, you know, whatever. Like, she wasn't involved in the church, so she didn't know any of that. So then they figured it out. Um, <clears throat> so somebody in my family went to the church knowing full well um, what could happen to her just by walking in the fucking door and asking for a penny back or even talking about Carl's death with them and, you know, any kind of inkling that they might have some sort of responsibility in that. Like, but... She did it. Oh, shit. Well, she did it. I mean, people are going to know who the fuck I'm talking about because it's, like, common knowledge. So she did it because, you know, her brother took 
he took money from her and her and her husband and stuff, but she also took money from the rest of the family and, like I said, long-time friends. So she was really trying to get this money back for their long-time friends. Not so much the Scientologists. Like, it totally sucked that she lost out on all this money, but she wanted to make it right with these people that have been friends with them literally since, like, kindergarten. Right. Um, you know, my, my family's friends, they, they were, grew up in a suburb. Like, I know the same guys my my dad went to, like, preschool with. Like, they were always around. So it was a huge, huge um, network of fucking people. And my aunt, you know, had the balls to go in and say, hey, Carl took this money. He, it wasn't his. He knew it wasn't his. He told you guys it wasn't his. And he needed it back. And you need to give it back to him. And they were they basically they threatened her and you know did that whole thing but she was prepared in her own way and had documents and um i don't know how all that really works without getting whatever in trouble however there are documents out there um and witnesses that the church admitted and agreed that yes they knew that the money they accepted was stolen money so the church knew that it was fucking stolen, and they admitted it. Um, oh, wow. In this document, yeah. And she got them to admit it, be, or I don't know if she got them to admit it, but it was basically, she didn't get all the money back. She got, like, a third of it back. She got, like, just enough to, you know, I don't know, not all of it, but she got enough to give some a little bit back to all of the people that my uncle had fucked over. And the rest of the family took a huge hit with that. But they, um, they basically, so she, in order for that to happen, she had to take the, you know, 30% or a third of it or whatever it was. And then, yeah, there's, there's, they're fully fucking aware that they took stolen money. And, I mean, I don't know if they admitted, I mean, I'm sure they did not at all admit that. My uncle took his life because of that. Because you can't. I mean, you don't know what happened. You don't. Right. Know you can't make a flat out. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't. Who knows? But um, just the fact that they knew that and were, you know, willing to admit, like, all right, you caught us. Sorry, right, your brother got shafted, but you know, you did it the right way. So here's some of the money back. And the only reason why that person didn't go full force is because. She has, you know, her entire family is still in it. Right. They, you know, they all do love each other, and it's just, God, it's just so fucked up. But I think out of voice. <laughs> it's, all about, it's all about the set, and it's all about the bottom line, isn't it? It's not about yeah. people. It's not about human beings. Okay. No, it's really not. I, I want to move on because I did not expect this, and this has been a lot of great information. I think it's actually... Um, I think people don't get to see enough of that side of it. We hear the stories, but we don't hear uh, – you gave a lot of insight from the inside what it looks like when these mm-hmm. things happen. And I think it's been valuable, so I'm glad you did get into it. Um, I'm glad. I haven't really gotten that out in, like, one cell swoop like that. So I can tell you wanted to. Is it a little bit – is it a little bit um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Um cathartic to do that yeah it really ha- it has been it's also been 
you know, the whole thing in general, just speaking out and stuff has been very uh, everywhere. But recently, with the amount of support and just being able to finally talk to other people, like, up until the show, just up until, like, a week or two before my episode aired, I hadn't spoken to anybody in any ex-scientology world and, like, uh, you know, journalists, anything other than the couple of people I was working, you know, with um, the ranch thing with, and then um, the producers of the show. I literally thought I was, like, completely alone. Like, I thought Nathan and I were just, like, completely alone. I know Nathan was doing great, and I was like, man, I'm totally alone. Like, this really sucks. Where are all these people? Well, I didn't even think, like, where are all these people, because I didn't even know they existed. But, um, yeah, it has been really cathartic, like, actually having a conversation. I um, w- was able to connect with Christy Gordon. She was on... Um, Couple weeks ago, but the week before with yeah. Amy Fowles. I know Christy. Um, she's awesome. She is, yeah, yeah, she's amazing. I love her. I don't know her like in real life, and I've only had like a, you know, I talked to her. I, I talked to her because I basically did exactly what I'm doing to you with her. But she's such a wonderful, <laughs> amazing, great person. And you know, I had a conversation with her, um, and I don't like to text. I like to talk on the phone. And just being able to like make fun of Scientology things as a Scientologist and then not as a Scientologist and then like realizing like the correlations between everything and just how fucked up it is and then you know thinking you were like super special and unique like um I'll get into that because it's kind of funny um but yeah it's been really cathartic because over the years you know I've I've told bits and pieces of my story like, I always say, like, I don't have any secrets. Somebody somewhere knows the, whatever it is about me. Like, I don't, I've never kept shit in, I, which I don't know. But, um, but I haven't been, you know, I talk to people about what happened to me, and you just see, like, the interest just dim. Like, they're like, oh, wow, that's really fucked up. And then, and then what happened? And then you start talking, and you can't explain any of this stuff without using, like, Scientology terms and explaining it in Scientology ways and like it's been yeah it's actually been really great to get all of this shit out and um, just talk about it and have people actually understand what I'm talking about when I do do like the, the correlations and how you know auditing really fucks with your psyche like what you know I would tell that to you know my friends around the table, and they would just be like, oh, yeah, so, uh, they just hold cans, oh, I saw that on South Park, you know what I mean, like, they didn't, it, I love my friends, love you guys, but, I mean, and I get it, it was fucking weird, like, everybody thought that Scientology was a cult, and, you know, I didn't really talk about it, and I never said we were in a cult, like, I still kind of feel, I feel, I don't know, it's like, embarrassed and weird, and, like, sure, sure, just saying that we were in a cult, you know, like, it's like, ugh, like, I don't think they're a church at all. Uh, you know, I know why they call themselves. I know that whole guys and shit. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's really been, it's, it has been. It's been really a lot of things. And um, it has really been helping me heal and um, and process Good. shit. And then not process shit. And then I, like, try and rework re- shit. And I'm just like, oh, my God, that's so nuts. But not at all nuts. And then I know, I don't know if we talked about this already, but there's so many... I don't know. I totally forgot what I was saying. Basically, like Scientologists thinking 
Like, I'm 36, and I wasn't even, like, I had my shit at the ranch, and that was some shit. And we didn't even really talk about what happened at the ranch. No. And then I didn't, <laughs> yeah, I know, I didn't even touch on that. Um, but I wasn't even in Scientology, and I'm a pretty, I'd like to think I'm a pretty bright, open-minded, you know, get it kind of person, and it's embarrassing to me that I, you know, after even all these years, I could still justify certain things. Like even the word justify, because that's such a big word in Scientology. And then then it really confuses me. I'm like, is, are these words like real words? Is Justified is a real word. No, yeah, no, I know that is. But like I say that to people, and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, of course that's a real word. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, because I, you know, got done with my 2D over there. I'm just going off. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> it has been really great. But like talking to Christy... And then just talking, like, I mean, Nathan and I, we talk, but we don't, we we talk about our own other things. But um, just other other people, um, yeah, it's been really great. And I hope it's been helpful for all these, I think it has been, um, for all these other men and women. Um, it seems to be a lot more women than men. Um, but that's something but, you do when you speak out. You, you, you're helping others, especially people who haven't spoken, people who haven't made that final decision yet. Right. Yeah. And I've, um, yeah, I'm glad that that's actually happening. That's what people were, you know, he would ask me before I actually did the show or like while I was talking to producers, and stuff, like, well, what is your end game in this? What do you want to see? And like, I could list a whole bunch of things and they're like, well, you want, you want this to help people. Right. But I had like such horrible guilt about like, I didn't think this was going to, I didn't know if it's going to help people. I thought I was, like, probably going to, like, ruin a lot of people. And yeah. I really didn't think it, me telling my story was going to help anybody. Like, at that particular time, it certainly didn't help me. I was, I did not leave that. <clears throat> Last few months have been not so fucking easy. I'm not even going to lie. It's not been easy. It's been pretty emotionally wrecking and I'm I'm proud of myself and I'm like actually got out of that and stuff but um what, what was I talking about <laughs> 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 you're talking about talking the yeah yeah well, well let me ask you when you is that that's something you were going through right it was like an anxiety did you did you think before talking on Aftermath maybe maybe I'm the one that's wrong is, is that something that went through your head oh yeah All, while I was sitting on that couch like God, I feel like I look so nuts on that couch. Um, you were nervous. And although everybody, yeah, I was so nervous, and I was, I was, oh, yeah, I was very, 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 very nervous. And I, um, we didn't meet Leah or Mike before the show. Like we didn't. It was all very right then, and I thought, you know, why didn't I knew that I wasn't. I was still very nervous, but I was like, okay, I can, I can meet these people and talk with to them and tell them my story, and they get it. And, you know, we got there and we didn't, it, there was no in in between. It was like, okay, you're on camera, go. And Nathan started, I let Nate take the lead, or I don't know if I let him, but I'm glad he did. Yeah. Like, I was like, <laughs> he, he seemed you know, comfortable. He talked a lot more. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you have no idea how thankful I was for that. And it was hard, it was hard for me to even watch him talk about his story, but I was mm. really glad he was able to get out because I didn't. Um, we'll talk about that next time, but, like, Nathan and I were really close at, um, one time at the ranch, and, um, it was, I didn't know that, and we've talked about that, but, I mean, we'll talk about that. 
I didn't know the stuff that he said on the show, and it just it, it broke my heart. And um, he's so, you know, he's Nathan and I. I mean, Nathan and I are very much on the same page. He's more of a like, you know, gung ho. Yeah, he's he, he's yeah. been researching this shit for a while, whereas I'm still kind of like, oh, that's why. Where he's like, I've been waiting for this for like 20 years. <laughs> really, like honestly, I. And I do love all my other fellow ranchies, but they will all agree, and they have to agree since I talked to them all, and they all wouldn't do this show with us, um, that I, I am just really glad that I did that with Nathan. Out of all the other people I know, I mean, I really wish um, our friends, our other, you know, the other people that were there with us would have been able to, um, but they couldn't, you know, because they would lose their families. Um, and there was a lot of them. I reached out. That, that's a whole other topic. It was really a, a tricky thing trying to find people I could trust and even reach out to, to even tell them, like, hey, did you you see that Leah Remini show? And that's kind of how it started. It was like, who the fuck can I, t-? like, I watched the show, and I was like, oh, my God, which rancher can I tell about this show? Like, I didn't even, <laughs> I was like, oh, right. But um, it was just so crazy. Like, we, not, the point was, like, you're not allowed, you don't talk to each other. Like, you, the people, like, the kids in the Sea Org, like, your brothers and sisters, your mother, like, your, each other's parents and, you know, um, friends, and you live and breathe each other all day, every day, and you don't talk about your, what's going, like, your, your, who you are and what has happened to you and, you know, your, like, actual hopes and dreams and, it like that, like that. I mean, Nathan, we had the same hopes and dreams of like getting the fuck out of the ranch. Right. But like at that, like we're like, woo. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I love me. But really, just it, it was really fucked up sitting on that couch and then just being there. And I was like, <clears throat> uh, it was like a rolodex. Like I said, I I I thought I knew. Like I was ready and prepared and. It just started hitting me. Like, I was like, oh, my God, this is actually happening. Like, my family's going to hate me. There's, like, 20 billion Scientologists that are going to fucking kill me. They're gonna, my children are going to be taken away and in foster care. I'm going to end up in jail. Oh, my, like, I am a bad person. Holy shit, they're right. Here I am. I am this oppressive person right now. And then, like, like, oh, my God, it sounds insane. And I know how insane I sound thinking that. And, like, but it's just, it, it's weird. Like, I know, I know that I'm not a suppressive person. Like, I know that I'm not an evil person. I mean, I don't know, no. Who knows? Maybe I fucking am. And I just don't know it. But, um, you know, when I was sitting there and I was like, oh, my God. Because I was talking about how pretty much my entire upbringing and at the ranch specifically, they like to assign, your, you know, your constant tone level. And my constant tone level, always and forever, was going to be 1-1, which is covert hostility. And although I wasn't gay, um, they, um, <laughs> it's, God, it's so, it's so fucked up when people, when they say that gays are allowed in Scientology. I don't know one single out gay person who was ever in Scientology. I know a lot of really sad, like, not a lot, but, uh, you know, enough um, closet uh, um, gays that have since died. Probably, I'm not, I don't know, mm-hmm. 
there is no, there aren't any gay people. So I was one one, um, which also means um, the l little guy that they show it with is there's an, a hand outstretched to shake your hand, and behind his back is like a bat or a board with a nail in it. So like, hi, how are you doing? I'm gonna stab you in your face. And oh wow. So yeah, it's basically you know like covert hostility, like nice to your face but they're going to destroy your life behind your back. I think that's what my mm -hmm. uncle's stupid country song was about me. Like, here's so one one, she's going to steal your dog and whatever the stupid thing he was saying on the um, thing. But so the tone, oh, why are we talking about the tone scale? Uh, the tone, the tone <laughs> scale uh, at the, I don't even know. Everything was measured on the oh, tone scale. On the yeah. Yeah. You are good at this. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Lord knows I can't. So, um, no, but just sitting there on that couch, you know, like, terrified and, you know, I I don't, ha I didn't have a huge, I had really no support, really. I had, no, I don't, didn't have any support while I was doing it. it I mean, I had, like, a couple people um, that shall remain nameless, um, but they, you know, nobody immediately, nobody to, like, hear me while I was going through all of this shit. So, yeah, I recently started therapy in, in June. Good. I started Good. doing this thing called EDMR therapy. I always forget what it actually stands for. It's like eye movement thing. It's actually, we'll talk about that. I recommend it. I mean, if that's your thing. Um, it's, it took me a really long time to actually go and seek therapy that I trusted. You know, right, because, yep. You know, um, so I, I've been really, things have really been lining up for me this year. Knock on wood, hopefully it continues. Um, hopefully this is like the beginning of a whole new thing. But um, yeah, hopefully. sitting on that couch was really fucking triggering. And if you watch me, I'm like constantly glancing over to my right. And what's happening there is there's a window behind Leah. And um, like five minutes into our interview where the four of us are sitting there, I could feel myself like this Rolodex of like every bad thing that has ever fucking happened and why and the reasons and it was just like trigger 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 it was like you know an AK-47 of triggering trauma sitting there so there was a window behind her yeah um it was it was like my focal point and then also not that I was going to jump out of it but, <laughs> you know, if I needed to I, it was right there so I noticed that when I was sitting on the couch I was like oh that's when because I was telling my therapist about it, I was like, you know, I, I, I got really nervous, but I focused on the window, and she's like, oh, that's really great, and I was like, no, because I knew I could jump out of it, and she's like, no, that's not great. That's not great, no. <laughs> just understand me. I know you're new at this, but trust me, I wasn't really going to jump out the window. I'm cool, but, um, so it was really, really, it was really nerve-wracking, and don't get me wrong, like, Leah and Mike, very nice, like, I'm, they're great, and, um, I'm so thankful that they were they're doing this and they gave us and all these other people this platform and you know this their this show has actually been like the major catalyst to get yeah. talking and moving on this and it's like amazing that is 20 years exactly um this year from that i left the ranch and i just think it's it's really awesome but um yeah it was really triggering i did just recently start therapy i'm working on you know 30 years of being told i was a fuck up and then being that leaf because that's what they called me my entire life. And I know that's like, 
a lot of people would say, well, that's a justification, and you're 36 now, and, you know, whatever. I I'm also have been a fuck-up a lot of the time, and I've done things. Um, you know, I I've, I'm, wanted to bring this up, too, because, like, they had always, they always, you know, I was hurting. I was always such, like, a problem, you know, and they always wanted, I was always made to believe that I was such an asshole child and, like, such a horrible, evil person. But I never, I never hurt anybody, and I right. challenged them all. And I never hurt any of them. I've never attacked them. I've never stolen from them. You know, I never. Any time I was hurting or I was hurt, I would then hurt myself more. You know, and because I felt like that was the necessary punishment. Um, and it's it's been really, it's been really a lot. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I hope that I summed up some of that and You did pretty good. Uh, pretty well. Yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so working on it. Let's tap on the ranch just a little bit and then I'll get into okay. we'll, we'll close it up a little bit here cuz I think this has been almost 2 hours. I think we could do like 10 more of these and still have compelling content, <laughs> you know. You're you're uh, you've been amazing. Um and I thank you for talking about that cuz you're talking about things that I know aren't easy for you. Um, yeah, they have. I have my days. Like I said, that's why you know I didn't. All right. So let's let's talk a little bit about the ranch. Um, because that's the one thing that I knew about you coming in. I thought we were gonna do forty-five minutes because <laughs> I didn't know much about you. Right. We covered a lot of important stuff, but on the ranch was was a big part of your life because that was where the bulk of your Scientology experience came in specifically. Um. Can you talk about what it was like for you? What kind of things did you witness and see there? Um, well, I can. I can talk about that. <laughs> um, uh, sometimes better than others. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was sent I was sent to the Mace Community Ranch in New Mexico in um, 1996, in February of 96. I was 14. Um, it was right outside of Reserve, New Mexico, um, in the Evil Wilderness or Fuel Wilderness. Not really sure how you pronounce it, but it was in the middle of nowhere. It was beautiful, the the aesthetics of the place, um, mountains and seasons and all that stuff. Um, the ranch itself was a ranch you'd expect to find out in the middle of New Mexico, I guess. And in in the the brochure that I was shown, you know, there was horseback riding and I, I believe like whitewater rafting or something along those lines. It was like waterfalls involved. Or, Something and um, like ATV riding and and uh, all that that awesome stuff that yeah. didn't actually happen there. Um, I mean, we did get to we we did get to ride a horse once, but um, we'll get into that. So the ranch. Okay. The meat the meat from the ranch in the So yeah, um, it was it was um, proposed to me as you know. Somewhere better than Juvie, Juvenile Hall, because apparently that's what I was looking at, which I don't know. Um, oh, it's either this or Juvie, Tara. This is this is your choice. It was yeah, it was either Mace Kingsley or Juvie, but you know, like looking back on it, I don't think so. I think like really somebody should have just one of my parents probably should have just taken me in um, instead of you know kicking me to the curb and then saying, giving me options like that. But anyway, so. Of course, they picked the Macy's Ranch because who the hell wants to go to Dewey? Um, yeah, can I ask you a question real quick? 
yeah. about that because uh, this never came up. This never came up, and um, with anyone I've ever talked to, and you've admit you've admittedly uh, said that you've had some trouble as a child, and you got into a lot of trouble. Do you, if, looking back objectively today, do you think you were a child that required juvie, or do you think this is more of a parenting versus not wanting to parent situation? That was a, it's a parenting versus not wanting to parent situation, and I have many family members now that would back me on that. Um, I wasn't such an asshole as they, you know, made me believe. Right. Um, I, I wasn't in trouble with the law at all. You know, I, I wasn't a thief. I wasn't any kind of trouble. It was basically I didn't want to go to school. I was skipping school a lot. Um, I had get, got kicked out of my one school, and I was actually going to a Catholic school in downtown Buffalo, um, and I was kicked out of there for, I believe, just for skipping school, really. And at that point, I had already been shuffled around to various family members and stuff and not with my parents. So, you know, any kind of trouble I was getting into, it was it, it was more myself and it was like a cry for attention. So, yeah, looking back on it, no, Juvenile Hall was not a place for me. And, you know, my dad and my uncle, Chris, the, the oh-so-handsome man in that smear video, they both... <laughs> You know, he, they they brought that up over the years, and my uncle just brought that up last month when he, when he called me begging, not begging, but trying to get me not to the episode. But just saying, you know, like, well, we saved you. You were looking at juvie. And I'm like, but was I really? Because, you know, um, <laughs> I've watched enough television and known enough about court systems and shithead kids to know that I really don't think I was looking at juvie at all. So, yeah, um that's interesting that that hasn't come up before, but yeah, a lot of kids at the ranch, you know, had issues like that, but none of them, I mean, there maybe have been like one or two that might have been like super troubles with the law, but uh, there wasn't. Yeah, I mean, Leah and Mike say like, you know, like, well, you're just being kids, you're doing, you're doing it in trouble that kids do. I feel like the bulk of the trouble you got in over your life came after and as a result of being yeah, pretty much. put through the system. Yeah, pretty much. That's uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, that was just my guess. I was just, I mean, I look at my my daughter, and you know, my son, and it, had they done any of the stuff that I was doing at 13, 14, I, I don't know, they wouldn't be doing any of the stuff I was doing at 13 or 14. Cause I wouldn't. That's how you raise them. Them go. Right, exactly. I, I raised them differently, and I love them, and they know that. And I'm not saying my parents didn't love me, but that's still up for debate. <laughs> so, working on that. I hate to say that. I'm sorry. But <laughs> no, no, but it's, you know, it's, it is what it is. I mean, but, uh, yeah, my um, as far as that goes. So that's how I ended up at the Macy's. We went because I didn't want to go to juvie. Like I, I knew kids that went to juvie. They were scary. I didn't want to right. hang out with them. Like I was like, you know, I was, I was, I was a troublemaker. But let me add too, at that time, I was also allowed to smoke cigarettes at my house. You know, my parents, even after like they divorced, but it was normal. Like my my stepsisters, we all smoked cigarettes. We were allowed to drink, and I put that in quotes because. You know, like, our parents wouldn't buy us the booze, but if we were trashed, it was, oh, well, just clean up after yourself. You know, our house was the party house. I was 13. 
like my my I look at my daughter and I'm just like, oh my god, what was I thinking? You know, wow. like it's or not what was I thinking, but what was my my parents thinking? I know what I was thinking. I was thinking like, holy shit, this is fucking great, you know? Like what kind of thirteen year old gets this kind of life? And it was like I had like the coolest life ever. And you know, come to find out, apparently my dad and his brothers and sisters kind of had the same upbringing, and we lived right. I, I grew up right next door to the family home, so my, my grandparents lived right next door. So it's kind of interesting now that looking at that, that would make sense because there wasn't any real guidance. It was just kind of, go do your own thing, which is great and all, but, you know, you have to have some sort of legit caring repercussions, you know, not just punishment after the fact, after allowing um, that to happen. I get what you're saying. It's, there was yeah. a lot of neglect. There was just a lot of neglect. And, you know, and my parents were young when they had me. And, I mean, but, but not that young. I, I'm not even going to say that anymore because, you know, I was 20 when I had my son. And it doesn't really take a lot. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. To, to know right from wrong, you know. But whatever. So, uh, I don't know. Well, like, we all know right from wrong is how we choose to use it. Like we, we sometimes we choose to make excuses. Um, you know, you could have easily. I said this to several people I've talked to in the past. You could easily say, you know, well, I had a crappy life, so uh, kids, <laughs> don't expect too much from me or something like that. And that's something that happens. That's something that happens in the real world. It's terrible. I'm, I'm, see, I'm always, I'm very open. I'm an open book. I don't know if you've noticed. Once I get going, yeah. I keep going. So, I, uh, you know, I, I think, well, I was also raised, like, I, Scientology, like, you don't want to have secrets because you think everybody can read your fucking mind anyway. And then, and I know it sounds crazy, but I know that it's true because I've talked to other ones that are like, yeah, it's, like, embarrassing to admit. But that's what you, you know, believe. So you, right. for me, for instance, and I've, I've talked to other people, like ex-scientologists, um, as far as being like an open book, it's kind of like, if you don't have any secrets, then, I don't know how to say it, like if you don't have any secrets, then you, you really don't have anything to to feel bad or ashamed of, I don't know how to say it. So that's why I like, talk about everything I can, to like, you know, I, get yeah. it out. So yeah. other people aren't, you know... I don't know how to, it, there's way more to it, I'm sorry, <laughs> like way more to it. it. It sounds like something that a lot of people who've been through what you've been through or been through uh, Scientology will understand what you're saying without you having to say more. Um, it might be a little a little harder for for us never ends to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for us never ends to quite get the, the gist of it, but I, I do think, I do think it's pretty clear, you just, you, you are trained it's your experience that you are to talk about everything, and if you don't, they're gonna find out, and uh, and you're gonna be made to feel like crap for it. So right. yeah, no, I, I, yeah. Which actually, with, with that though, it, um, you know, then you have no filter, and you spend a lot of your time saying shit that you shouldn't say, hurting <laughs> people's feelings and stuff as well. So like, there's a whole, I'm sure, like. uh Somebody has probably already spoken about this somewhere, about, you know, having to see things like this, because, um, or, like, tell all of your secrets because of that. I don't know. Anyways, we're going off on a tangent. That's fine. So that's the main thing. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so Doobie or the Mace Kingsley. I picked MK because it looked pretty and it looked way better. So my dad said, all right, you have three days. And I was like, okay. So we left in three days. And um, I think it was three days. It could have been like the next day. But it was very soon after. And I, he came over. I was living with my aunt at the time on my mother's side. And he came over and he talked to me about it in his truck in the driveway. And it was That was weird. Hmm. Okay, well, maybe my dad really loves me. I don't know. Anyway, but he said that I could be part of the family again if I did this program and I could live back at, at their house, back with my dad and, you know, my my new family and everything. That's really what I wanted. And uh, I was like, all right. So I did that. And um, my dad said that we were going to go down and check it out. Not that I was going to stay there, but, like, check it out. And it was only going to be three months. I'd be home in three months. So... I'd be home by, you know, my birthday, which was in June. And, um, um, I wasn't home in June. But, um, right. So we went, we flew down to Reserve, well, we flew down to Albuquerque, and it was like a three hour drive from Albuquerque. Um, and down, I think, Highway 12. It's really cool. You could see all those, like, huge satellites you see in the movies and stuff. I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. that, that steady? Um, <laughs> I don't even know. What? SETI, the SETI satellites? You don't... I think, yeah, SETI. I think it's SETI. Okay. I don't know. But they were their satellites. Yeah, it was just super neat. And uh, and we, we checked into this little hotel that they had in town, and then we went to the Mason Ranch the next day. And um, I don't really remember, like, all of it, but I know that, you know, I, like, they introduced us to whoever, and then they took my dad and did whatever they had to do and then I went with like the kids or something and um, basically I had like three days of I think we called it de-stimulation um, where you like you know three days of getting the outside world out of you and grooving into the new place and that changed actually like a month after I had gotten there they changed all that shit so the, the poor kids coming in did not get three days of like bullshit, everybody's happy. Although, I don't know what would be better or worse, honestly, like, to just get thrown right into camp and, or into the, well, anyways. <laughs> so I got, I had this three-day D-STEM thing where all these kids, like, showed me around and I got to see, like, the cool kids, like, the, the staff kids or whatever, and, um, you know, not so much of the program, and it was basically just, like, a propaganda bullshit thing, and then my dad left, and he said I'd be home in three months, and it wasn't, um, so it, sorry. That's like a couple things here, now, they wanted you to choose Mason Kingsley, did they not? Yeah. They gave you a choice, but it was because, uh, it's almost like juvies to scare you into Mace Kingsley. Exactly, right. And did you immediately realize you didn't belong there when you got there? Um, yeah, I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah. I was like, this is not, but then I was still thinking, you know, but it, I still knew, like, juvie to me was like prison, prison, and that was like, and I didn't want that, and I was already stuck there, so I was like, all right, this isn't so bad, you know, and then, and then I don't remember the point that it got bad, bad, but I know that work happened right away, um, labor and production and course 
and auditing. I had a lot of auditing. Um, and I thought that was, like, a lot of other kids had auditing. But come to find out, there were more than not, I think, that didn't get auditing or something like that. Like, I, I believe Mason said he didn't really get much there. Um, because, well, the parents had to pay for it and stuff. Um, so that was an interesting thing, a uh, side note. But um, we did get, I got a lot of auditing. I, before that, I didn't really have any. Um, and Was that weird? It was weird. It was, it was weird. It's still weird. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd really like to get my hands on it if you need it and just, like, I'm not going to tell you what I want to do with it, but I just <laughs> my hands on it. One. I just want to screw with one. It, they're just so, I don't even know. It, it's so weird. Auditing really fucks with a person's head for a really long time, I believe, even if it's a small amount. Um, I've, heard, I've heard that. Yeah, and um, it's really, like, I always was embarrassed because I was, like, I actually, I'm actually higher on the bridge than my dad which I didn't know, but I found out recently like, hmm. for some reason. But anyway, um, and the whole thing with that is, like, I don't know what the whole thing with that is, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking weird thing. Um, but the auditing was weird. I went up, I, if this makes any sense, I got up to ARC straight layer. I don't know what, can't remember what comes before that or what comes after that, but it's, it's lower. It's not, like, clear what everybody attains to be. Um, but I did have a lot of auditing processes. I got in trouble a lot. So when you would get in trouble, or not even get in trouble, but you would be sex-checked, which is basically, like, an interrogation, find out what you're actually doing wrong. Um, and because I was always involved in some sort of protesting-type shit happening at the ranch um, or, you know, kids stuff. Um, I was constantly sex tested at like $3,000 a pop. And I, oh. I want to say I had like six of them over the course of the, the um, you call them like almost two years that I was there. So, and that was just sex checking on top of the auditing that I got. And I got a lot of auditing because, you know, my family really, really, really wanted me to be a Scientologist. They were really not happy when I couldn't join the field. I was like, I, um, not, they want like super pissed, but, um, you know, that was, like, the ultimate goal, get there in the field. Thankfully, um, when the recruiters came to make Kingsley Ranch, which they did, so that was always a thing, because, um, Scientology, like, for the church, like, to say that, you know, they didn't have anything to do with me, Kingsley. Well, you did. We have pictures of Seawars recruiters coming down and recruiting these kids from the ranch, and a lot of them did go to Seawars from there, so, um, but anyway, I couldn't join because I had dropped acid when I was 13, so, um, you know. Automatically disqualified. Yeah, that automatically disqualified me, so that was, you know, a blessing in disguise, I guess. <laughs> right, because a lot, a lot more story could could have been told. Yeah, honestly, it really could have. And they, they like, whisked me out of the room. Like, they're like, oh, no, Kara's not, can't, she's not qualified. And whatever. So that worked. But, um... The sex check, the, the the sex check is much different. It's almost the same as auditing, but it's, it's really a lot more invasive, is it not? It's very, yes, it's very invasive. And so you were eleven. Were you eleven getting these questions asked to you? Fourteen. I was fourteen. 
But I, the thing with sex text, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not on this, um, is the, the case supervisor, like, you know, the in-charge person of the auditing, um, the auditors at whatever location, is called the CS, the case supervisor. And I'm pretty sure that they can add things into, you know, sex text. Like, they can make their own sex text or something. Yeah, they... I swear I had my own... I think they tailor it. Yeah, they tailor it to what they've right. seen in past past the sessions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it makes my stomach hurt thinking about it. Honestly. Oh. Um, that bad. Um. Yeah. Can you can. Yeah, I got a lot of auditing, which was good in some ways because when you got auditing, you didn't have to work. But on the other hand, you were getting auditing. So you're getting mind stuff without realizing it. You know, and I didn't realize it. I like, bought that shit hook, hook, line, and sinker. Like, a lot of, I mean, I didn't really, I don't, I don't want to say that, because that's not true. I made myself believe it, because I had to. That makes sense. Um. All right, so that's, uh, I got time for, for part two with Tara Riley. I think it's uh, a lot of good stuff coming from this, and there's another great coming up next Thursday at a regular scheduled time of 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday. Tomorrow, of course, is part two of two with uh, Marion Francis. I promise you'll be able to hear it, <laughs> and I'll have that ready for you tomorrow at noon Eastern Time again. Um, so let's talk about the very beginning of this interview with, with Tara was the um, the thought process towards women. Um, I have learned since then of something called the wife hat. Uh, take a look at that if you get a chance to do some search if you're if you're a watcher if you don't uh, know about it uh it's interesting uh, more than more than interesting um, so yeah so tomorrow i gotta go so tomorrow uh Miriam Francis part two uh until then stay connected and that about sums it up if I speak for your followers and I speak for your ex followers and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in. And you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something? Then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mum and dad, don't talk to your mum and dad, that bad, yeah. wrong. Absolutely believed his own bullshit. Now, does that mean he believed it from day one? I don't know. Hobart reveals to them that he is the Antichrist. Scientology has not helped you. You have helped yourself. Yeah, I'm absolutely positive that happened because I was physically abused in Scientology. We're crossing the line into torture. Do you think there is a rape culture in Scientology? I think that there is a culture in Scientology that children are not children. So... Yeah.